Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought about uh, beginning my sermon today with a disclaimer, uh, a little maybe spoiler alert, if you will, because I want to talk about a movie, but it's a movie that's still out in some theaters, and I didn't want to ruin it for anybody. So I asked my wife if she thought I should start with a disclaimer, and she said, well, I mean, you could, but the first one was called Finding Nemo, and they found Nemo. So my guess is people will probably be able to figure this one out too, right? That being said, you're warned, okay? How many of you had a chance to see Finding Dory, the sequel to Finding Nemo? It's a delightful film. Our family loved it. If you have a chance, it's, it's great. Uh, if you don't know about it, it's a, it, it follows the, the story of Dory, that delightful little blue tang fish voiced by the incredible Ellen DeGeneres, who was such a beloved character from the first movie. Well, Dory has a problem. She has short-term memory loss. She forgets everything all the time, which, of course, leads to all kinds of hilarious misadventures and, and other stuff. Well, in this movie, we learn a little bit more about her backstory, where she comes from. And we learn that, that Dory, when she was teeny tiny, already as a, as a little fish, had short-term memory loss, that she was forgetful from the time she was born. And this was terrifying for her parents because they knew that if she took a wrong turn and forgot where she had been or where she was going, that she could get lost. And so they worked with her very hard to, to make sure she always knew where she was, to know where the boundaries were, to know where, uh, the, the, what the rules were, to know how to stay safe because it's so easy to get unsafe, to fall into danger when you can't remember things. But she forgot. And so one day she got swept away because she went too far. And she ends up all the way across the ocean, a thousand miles away, all alone, not knowing where she was or how to get back home. And as she grows up and keeps trying to figure out where she is, eventually that's how she runs into Marlin, that beautiful little clownfish who's on an adventure to go and try and find his son, Nemo, who was caught by some fishermen. That's the story of the first film. And she goes along with him and they find Nemo. Well, this story picks up about a year or so after that adventure. And Dory's still very forgetful. And she's settled into a reasonably fun and and peaceful life with her new friends all the way across the ocean. But every once in a while she keeps remembering little fragments from her childhood. Little bits and pieces, little stories or songs, things that, that remind her that she's from somewhere else, that there might just be people still looking for her. And so she decides she wants to go home. And so she gets Marlon and Nemo to join her on an adventure. And of course, they run into all sorts of new fun friends and some old ones, and there's lots of mishaps and so forth. But eventually, they get to the place where Dory is from. But then something goes wrong. And she gets lost again because she forgot again. And she's all alone again and doesn't know where or what to do again. And in her despair and in her shame over her forgetfulness, she looks up and she sees a line of seashells carefully placed in a row 
on the ocean floor. And suddenly she remembers. She remembers that when she was a teeny tiny fish, she loved seashells. And her parents knew that. And so they would make little trails of seashells. And they, and they told her all the time that if you ever get lost, just look for these shells. Follow the path. And you'll find your way home. This morning we hear a story. It's a part of a much larger story. And it is the story of a people who got lost. They got terribly, terribly lost because they forgot. It tells the story of of a very forgetful people. A people who were so prone to forgetfulness that God tried desperately to give them really clear boundaries and, and expectations to give them the tools, songs and prayers and, 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 and practices that would somehow find them back home, ground them, keep them safe in a dangerous world where they were so prone to get lost, to forget. But they just couldn't do it. The book of Isaiah is over 60 chapters, but most scholars divide it into three parts. First Isaiah, second Isaiah, third Isaiah. All three different prophets at slightly different times in the same story of this forgetful people. The first movement takes place back in Jerusalem, back home where the temple is still standing. And the prophet is sent by God to warn the people that they are losing their way, that they have forgotten who they are. They've forgotten what God expects of them. They have been so overcome by fear and by perceived danger that they, that they look to their neighbors as enemies, that they have failed to practice justice, that, they, that they've focused so much on themselves that they've lost sight of God's global concern. They are getting lost because they've forgotten who God made them to be. And the prophet comes to to try desperately to pull them back, to say, folks, if you keep going down this path, you are going to get lost. And you don't want that. But they forgot. And indeed, they got lost. And they were swept away over a thousand miles across the desert to a foreign land where they knew no one, where they were under the thumb of a foreign empire, and all they could remember of home was a pile of burning rubble. They got lost. And into that season of despair, God sends another Isaiah, another prophet, to come to them and say, don't be afraid. I know you're lost. I know you're far from home. I know you've forgotten who you are, but remember... But God is with you. You see, God didn't die when God's house got destroyed. And God didn't stay back in Jerusalem among the pile of rubble. But rather, God came with you across the desert. God came with you into exile. God is with you now. Don't be afraid. I'm here. And I'm here to bring you comfort and joy. And I will bring you home. Just remember who I am and who you are. And then not long after that, as they began again to forget that renewed promise, God sends another prophet with another message. Pack your bags, folks. It's time to go home. We're going home. 
And thus they begin a thousand-mile journey across the Arabian desert to go home. And as they begin that journey, the prophet Isaiah, speaking on behalf of God, reminds the people about the Sabbath. It is the Sabbath that God holds out in front of the people as a sign, as a trail, as a promise, as a practice, as a way to remember who they are. Because they had forgotten the Sabbath, even though God commands them to remember the Sabbath. And in forgetting that time of holy rest, that space, that temple in time whereby we can rest in the presence of the one who made us, in forgetting the Sabbath, they forgot who they were. And isn't that how it works? That when we forget to ever stop, to ever rest, to ever listen, we are so easily caught up in all of the the frantic and frenetic energy and fearful world in which we live. We become so overcome with fear that we close in on ourselves. We forget that God made us to be turned out in the world in in mercy and justice. We forget who God made us to be. We forget where we're going. And all we care about is getting things done. And when we forget the Sabbath, we forget who we are and who God is and where home is to be found. And so the prophet says, yep, we got a long road. we got a long journey. It's going to be hot. It's going to be dry. It's going to be dusty. And we're going to rest. We will keep the Sabbath. And yet, when we get home, there's going to be a lot of work to do. We've got a city to rebuild. But we will rest. We will keep the Sabbath. Because it is only in remembering that holy gift of rest that we will remember who we are. Because it is only in that space when we shut up and open our ears, that we can hear that still small voice of the one who made us and called us beloved, for whom this gift of chosenness and belovedness is a gift given purely by God's grace and not because of what we did or did not do over the last six days or six years. And when we remember that, only when we remember that, will we find our way home. And indeed, what we discover is that we were already there. You see, that's the the beauty of Sabbath, is it goes with you. It's not tied to a specific place. There's an old saying in Jewish literature that it was not Israel that kept the Sabbath, it was the Sabbath that kept Israel. It was that time of rest wherever they were, whether they were slaves in Egypt or or exiles in Babylon or hurled out to every corner of the earth during the Roman Empire. The Sabbath was their home because the Sabbath was a temple in time in which they were reminded of who they were, of what God made them for, of how desperately God loved them and how God was seeking after them always and everywhere to bring them home. For us as Christian people, we bear the sign of this gift of God's beloved grace in the gift of baptism. 
Baptism is this carving out of space where God claims us and says, this one is mine. You belong to me, no matter what. And just like Sabbath, it goes with us, this sign. It never washes off. It goes with us everywhere we go. So no matter how lost you might get, no matter how often you might forget who you are or where you are going or what you are headed into, no matter how often you forget the the expectations and boundaries that God has laid before us to keep us safe and to foster a world of justice, mercy, and love, if you just stop long enough to splash in some water, to trace the sign and say, I am baptized. There will carve out a space in which you can be reminded that God already loves you and that God is desperate to be with you and to fill you up again so that you might remember who you are and what God has called you to. When Dory looks up and sees that line of shells in the sand, and she remembers that this is the way home, she follows it, and she gets back, indeed, to her home. But when she gets there, no one is there. For a moment, it feels again as if all is lost. She begins again to sink into despair. Maybe she forgot, or worse yet, maybe her parents forgot about her. Moved on, gave up. And she begins to despair until she looks up again and she sees her parents swimming towards her, carrying shells. And they're laying them in lines. And she realizes that for the past several years, ever since the day she got lost, all that her parents have been doing day after day after day is going out into the ocean, collecting shells, and making endless pathways hoping beyond hope that she might see one and remember and find her way home. Folks, this is the gift of God's Sabbath promise. This is the gift of holy baptism. This is the gift of a God whose grace extends to us utterly independent of who we are, what we have done, left undone, or where we have gotten lost. And it is this, that never, ever, no matter how far we have wandered off, never has God stopped desperately seeking us out, going with us everywhere we have gone to remind us when we are open enough to just stop and listen, That wherever we are, even if we can't remember how we got there, we are already home. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.